I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Ah, ah, welcome to the mansion of uh, Leaves of Glen, uh, where I read the hottest public domain books and short stories. Uh, this week, we're going to continue reading The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus by Frank Baum, uh, a children's book written in 1902. Picking up uh, where we left off uh, in our About the Author segments, uh, Frank uh, Lyman Frank Baum uh, was born on May 15, 1856 and died May 6, 1919. Uh, his works anticipated such later commonplaces as television, uh, augmented reality, laptop computers, wireless telephones, uh, women in high-risk and action-heavy occupations, uh, and the ubiquity of clothes advertising. Seems hard to believe, but apparently he called all those things out. Adaptations, uh, in a 2012, uh, 2010 animated movie. Uh, a new animated feature film was in production as a co-operation between Hyde Park Entertainment and Toons with a Z Entertainment, as well as the Gang of Seven animation. The story would have followed the establishment of Santa mythology, depicting both the formative years as well as a battle against evil. I'm taking that the Wikipedia article... Uh, this never got made <laughs> because they keep saying would have and was in production. As of December 2011, no release has occurred and there has been no other word about it. In addition, the page for the film on IMDb was removed. Well, then why is this even in there? Uh, leading many to suspect it was canceled. Another adaptation, uh, Winter's Night. In March 2014, Deadline Hollywood <laughs> reported that an origin story of Santa Claus, Winter's Night, inspired by the life and adventures of uh, Santa Claus, uh, sold to Sony Studios for $1 million. Want to hear about a, one of his many sequels? Ah, the Road to Oz. In Baum's 1909 Oz book, The Road to Oz, Santa Claus is one of the guests of honor at a Princess Ozma's birthday party in the Emerald City. Uh, he brings along some riles and uh, nooks with him, and, and they return to the Laughing Valley in a, in a giant soap bubble uh, created by the Wizard of Oz. Which, for him, back when he wrote this, he kind of owned the whole Santa thing, and so it probably made sense for him. By today's standards, it'd see, it kind of would seem shoehorned in. Is there? Oh, great! Now there's suddenly Santa for no reason. Well, with that, uh, we're gonna try to finish this turd. It's been going on for way too long. Who would have thought anyone would have so much to say about Santa Claus? Uh, I've also decided that this podcast is gonna have a theme. Oh, you're in the mansion of Leaves of Glen. Uh, every segment is a is a damn room. Currently, we're in the drawing room. Uh, and then we will move uh, my theme, which is just delightful uh, and tickles the imagination. We'll move into the library. 
And then as we recap at the end, uh, we'll move to the, the smoking room. I don't know. That's the thing I think imagine, uh, mansions had. And, uh, and then uh, that's pretty much it. This is what a man comes up with when he's stuck home because of COVID. Uh, and staring in the face of unemployment. Oh, have I found a job? No. Have I really looked? Nah. <laughs> it's basically just trying to make myself miserable. Uh, I have a cat that doesn't seem to enjoy any treats that I try to give it. Uh, that's pretty much it. My daughter, my oldest one, started playing Red Dead Redemption 2, and I've been watching her play it, uh, so that's a highlight of my week. Uh, and then, because burp, I decided that I'm going to be a, a person that is interesting. I pulled out the old PlayStation 3 and uh, started playing Red Dead Redemption 1. Uh, no reason. Am I enjoying myself doing it? No, but this is because I spend so much time in my house by myself. Oh, thank God. The uh, grandfather clock, another delightful theme of this podcast, has struck, which means I can stop trying to babble. And uh, let's move into the library, <laughs> where we will continue reading the story. Do you feel that? Uh, that you've been transported through the power of your imagination into the library, where I will continue to read to you from the adventures of the life of Santa Claus, or whatever the heck the name of this dang thing is. Uh, well, we'll go to part nine of part two. <laughs> and this was called Santa Claus! Exclamation point. Uh, Claus? Thought that none of the children would ever know where the toys came from, which they found by their bedsides when they wakened in the following morning. Ah, but kindly deeds are sure to bring fame. And fame has many wings to carry its tidings into far lands. Oh, that's a nice, that's a positive little thing. You want me to hear that? You know, fame's got a downside. Nope, according to Santa Claus, fame's nothing but good stuff. So for miles and miles in every direction, people were talking of Claus and his wonderful gifts to children. I'm sure they're probably saying, who's this creep that's giving gifts to the kids while we're sleeping and watching us sleep and then probably kissing them while they're sleeping. Now, the sweet generousness of his work uh, caused a few selfish folk to sneer. Well, there you go. But even those were forced to admit their respect for a man so gentle-natured uh, that he loved to devote his life to pleasing the, the helpless little ones of his, of his race. Uh, complicated. Therefore, the inhabitants of every city and village had been eagerly watching the coming of Claus, and remarkable stories of his beautiful playthings were told to the children to keep them patient and contented. When, on the morning following the first trip of Claus with his deer, the Little ones came running to their parents with the pretty toys they had found and asked uh, from whence they came. But uh, they was but they was but one reply to the question. I'm not saying that wrong. It's written that way. They was but one reply to the question. Ah, the good claws ah, must have been here, uh, my darlings, for his are the only toys in all the world. <clears throat> ah, but, uh, 
How'd he get in? asked the children. At this, the fathers shook their heads, uh, being themselves unable to understand how Claus had gained admittance to their homes that apparently doesn't creep anybody out. But the mothers, uh, watching the glad faces of the dear ones, uh, whispered that the good Claus was no mortal man, but assuredly a saint. And they piously blessed his name for the happiness he had bestowed upon their children. A saint, said one with bowed head, has no need to unlock doors if it pleases him to enter our homes. Everything about this is so eerie. I never realized Santa was so creepy until I started reading this story. And afterward, when a child was naughty or disobedient, its mother would say, I, 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 You must pray to the good Santa Claus for forgiveness. What is he, God now? He does not like naughty children. And, 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 and unless you repent, uh, he will bring you no more pretty toys. But Santa Claus himself would not have approved this speech. He brought toys to the children because they were little and helpless, and because he loved them. He knew that the best of children were sometimes naughty, and that the naughty ones were often good. Yeah, well, that evens out to a, just everyone's in a swimming in a gray area of uh, good deeds. And the way uh, is the way with children uh, the world over, and would not have changed their natures had he possessed the power to do so. And that is how our clause became Santa Claus. It is possible for any man, uh, by good deeds, to enshrine himself as a, as a saint in the hearts of people. Part 10? Yeah, Christmas Eve. The day that broke as Claus returned from his night ride with Glossy uh, and Flossy brought him uh, a new trouble. Will Nook, the chief guardian of the deer, came to him uh, surly and ill-tempered to complain that he had kept Glossy and Flossy beyond daybreak in opposition to his orders. Yet, it could not have been very long after daybreak, said Claus. It was uh, one minute after, answered Will Nook, and that is as bad as one hour. I shall set the stinging gnats on Glossy and Flossy, and they will thus suffer terribly for their disobedience. Well, then don't, uh, don't do that, begged Claus. It was, uh, it was my fault. I don't know if you can hear it, but my, the, the new cat, the one that doesn't seem to like any treats, burp, is uh, running around and uh, destroying things. Ah, but Will Nook would listen to no excuses and went away grumbling and growling in his eh, ill-natured way. Ah, for the reason, Claus entered the forest to consult Nasil about rescuing the good deer from punishment. To his delight, ah, he found his old friend, the Master Woodsman, seated in the circle of nymphs. Ack listened to the story of his night journey to the children and of the great assistance the deer had been to Claus by drawing his sledge over the frozen snow. I do not uh, uh, wish my friends to be punished if I can save them, said the toy maker uh, when he had finished the relation. Uh, they were only one minute late, and they ran swifter than a bird flies to get home before daybreak. Ack stroked his beard thoughtfully, and in a moment... And then he sent for the Prince of the Nooks, who rules all his people in Burzee, and also for the Queen of the Fairies and the, and the Prince of the Rouse. When all had assembled, Claus told his story again at Axe command, and the Master addressed the Prince of the Nooks, saying, The good work that Claus is doing among mankind deserves the support of, of, uh, of every honest immortal. 
Already he is called a saint ah, in some towns, and before long the name of Santa Claus will be ah, lovingly known ah, in every home that is blessed with children. Moreover, ah, he's the son of a forest, so uh, we owe him our, uh, our encouragement. You, uh, ruler of the nooks, have known him these many years. Am I not right in saying he deserves our, our friendship? Well, the prince cooked in sour visage, as all nooks are, uh, looked only upon the dead leaves at his feet and, and muttered, you're, you're the master woodsman of the world. Axe smiled, but continued in soft tones. It seems that the deer, which are guarded by your people, can be of great assistance to Claus. And as they seem willing to draw his sledge, I, I beg that you will permit him to use their services uh, whenever, whenever he pleases. The prince did not reply, but tapped the curled point of his sandal with the tip of his spear, as if in thought. Uh, then the uh, fairy queen spoke to him in this way. Uh, if you consent to Axe's request, I will see that no harm comes to your deer while they are away from the forest. And the prince of the Riles added, eh, For my part, I will allow to every deer that assists Claus the, the privilege of eating my, uh, my casa plants, which give strength, and uh, my Grawl plants, which give fleetness of foot, <laughs> and my marbon plants, uh, which give long life. What do they need a long life for? Is what their life force is being sucked out of them while they're flying around with presents? And the queen of the nymphs said, uh, The deer which draw the sledge of claws will be permitted to, to bathe in the, the forest pool of nares, which will nair, oh, like the hair removal stuff, which will give them sleek coats, <laughs> or just hairless and wonderful beauty. The Prince of the Nooks, hearing these promises, shifted uneasily on his seat, uh, for in his heart he hated to refuse the request of the fellow mortals, though they were asking an unusual favor at his hands, and the Nooks are unaccustomed to granting favors of any kind. Finally, he turned to his servants and said, eh, Call Will Nook. When Surly Will... Surly Will came and heard the demands of the immortals, he protested loudly against granting them. Dear, are dear, said he, and nothing but dear. Were they horses? Nah, I'd be right to harness them like horses, but but no one no one harnesses deer because they're they're, they're free wild creatures, owing no service of any sort to mankind. I would degrade my dear to labor for Claus, who is only a man, in spite of the friendship lavished upon him uh, by the immortals. Uh, uh, have you heard? said the prince to Ack. Uh, there is truth in what uh, Will says. They're called Glossy and Flossy, returned the master. And the deer were brought to the conference, and Ack asked them if they objected to drawing the sledge for Claus. Uh, no, indeed, replied Glossy. Ah, we enjoyed the trip very much. Uh, and, we, and we tried to get home by daybreak, added Flossy, but we're unfortunately a, a minute too late. I'm, a minute lost at daybreak doesn't matter, said Ack. You are forgiven for that delay. Well, provided it does not happen again, said the Prince of the Nook sternly. And you will permit them to make another journey with me? asked Claus eagerly. Yeah, the Prince reflected. He gazed at Will, who was scowling, and at the Master Woodsman, who was smiling. And when he stood up and addressed the company as follows, Since you all urge me to grant the favor, I will permit the deer to go with Claus uh, once every year on Christmas Eve. Provided they always return to the forest by daybreak. Oh, he may select any number he pleases, uh, up to ten, uh, to draw to sledge, and uh, those shall be known among us as 
reindeer uh, to distinguish them from all the others. And they shall bathe in the pool of nares. Oh, so they're all hairless, creepy, pink things. And eat the casa uh, and the growl and the barber plants and shall be under the especial, especial protection of the fairy queen. And now, cease uh, scowling, will nook, for my words will be obeyed. I hobble quickly away through the trees to avoid the thanks clause and the approval of the other mortals, and uh, Will, looking across as ever, followed him. Uh, but Hack was satisfied, knowing that he could rely on the promise of the prince, however grudgingly given, and Glossy and Flossy ran home, kicking up their heels delightedly at every step. Uh, when, when's Christmas Eve? Claus asked the master. Uh, in about ten days, he replied. Uh, then I will not use the deer this year, said Claus thoughtfully, for I shall not have time enough to make my sack full of toys. Uh, the shrewd princess foresaw that, responded Ack, and therefore named Christmas Eve as the day that you might use the deer, knowing it would cause you to lose an entire year. Oh, uh, if only I had the toys the Aguas stole from me, said Claus sadly. I could easily fill my sack for the children. Yeah, where are they? Asked the master. No, I do not know, replied Claus. But uh, the wicked Aguas probably hid them in the mountains. Ack! Turned to the fairy queen. Uh, can you find them? He asked. Yeah, I'll try, she replied brightly. Then Claus went back to the Laughing Valley to work as hard as he could, and a band of fairies immediately flew to the mountain that had been haunted by the Aguas and began search for the stolen toys. The fairies, as we all know, possess wonderful powers. But the cunning Aguas had hidden the toys in a in a deep cave and covered the opening with uh, with 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 rocks, so that no one could look in. Therefore, all search for the missing playthings proved in vain for several days, and Claus, who sat at home waiting for the news from his fairies, almost uh, despaired of getting the toys before Christmas Eve. I worked hard every moment, but it took considerable time to carve out and uh, to shape each toy and paint it properly, so that on the morning before Christmas Eve, only half of the small shelf above the window was uh, filled with playthings ready for children. But on this morning, ah, the fairies who were searching in the mountains had a, had a new thought. Ah, they joined hands and moved in a, in a straight line through the rocks that formed the mountain, beginning at the topmost peak and uh, working downward so that no spot could be missed by their bright eyes. And at last they discovered the cave where the toys had been heaped up by the wicked aguas. It did not take them long to burst open the mouth of the cave, and then each one seized as many toys as he could carry, and they all flew to claws and laid the treasure before him. Oh, the good man was rejoiced to receive, just in the nick of time, such a store of playthings which had to load his sledge, and he sent word to Glossy and Flossy uh, to be ready for the journey at nightfall. With all his other labors, he had managed to find time since the last trip, to repair the harness and to strengthen the sledge so that uh, when the deer came to him at twilight, he had no difficulty in harnessing them, which I'm sure those creepy deer loved. Uh, we must go in another direction at night, he told them, where we shall find children I have uh, never visited yet. And we must travel fast and work quickly, uh, for, my, for my sack is full of toys, uh, running over the brim. Yeah, this is all disturbing. So, just as the moon arose, they dashed out of the Laughing Valley and across the plain over the hills to the south. Ah, the air was sharp and frosty. Ah, the twilight touched the snowflakes and made them glitter, yeah, like countless diamonds. Uh, the reindeer leaped onward with strong, steady bounds, and Claus's heart was so light 
and merry that he laughed and uh, sang while the wind whistled past his ears uh, with a ho-ho-ho uh, and, a, and a ha-ha-ha and a ho-ho-ha-ha-he. Now away we go over the frozen snow as merry as we can be. Jack Frost heard him and came racing up with his nippers. But when he saw it was Claus, he laughed and turned away again. The mother owls heard him as he passed near a wood and, and struck their heads, stuck their heads out of the hollow places in the tree trunks. Uh, but when they saw who it was, they whispered to the owlets nestling near them that it was only Santa Claus carrying toys to the children. It's strange how much those mother owls know. It's a little weird kind of sidebar. Claus stopped at some of the uh, scattered farmhouses and climbed down the chimneys to leave presents for the, for the babies. Soon after, he reached a village and worked merrily for an hour, distributing playthings among the sleepy little ones, when away again he went, singing his joyous carol, Now away we go, over the gleaming snow, while the deer run swift and free. Uh, for to girls and boys we carry the toys that will fill their hearts with glee. Now the deer liked the sound of his deep bass voice and kept time to the song with their hoofbeats on the hard snow. But soon they stopped at another chimney, and Santa Claus, with sparkling eyes and a face brushed red by the wind, climbed down its smoking sides and left a present for every child in the house contained. Ah, it's a merry, happy night. Swiftly the deer ran, and busily their driver worked to scatter his gifts among the sleepy children. But the sack, the sack, was empty at last, and the sledge headed homeward. And now again, the race with daybreak began. Glossy and Flossy had no mind to be rebuked a second time for tardiness, so they fled with a swiftness that enabled them to pass the gale on which the Frost King rode and soon brought them to the Laughing Valley. That's true. When Claus released his steeds from the harness, the eastern sky was streaked with gray, but Glossy and Flossy were deep in the forest uh, before day fairly broke. Claus, oh, was so wearied with his night's work that he threw himself upon his bed and fell into a deep slumber. And while, and while he slept, yeah, the Christmas sun appeared in the sky and shone upon hundreds of happy homes where the sound of childish laughter proclaimed that Santa Claus had made them a visit. Oh, God bless him! Uh, it was the first Christmas Eve, and for hundreds of years since then, he has nobly fulfilled his mission to bring happiness to the hearts of little children. Well, with that, let's, uh, why don't we adjourn to the master bedroom where we'll take part in Glenn's Romance Corner. Ah, I see you've made it to the master bedroom here in my uh, mansion of Leaves of Glen, uh, where I... I'm going to tell you about uh, uh, a new romance book coming out soon from Penguin Random House. Imagine that you're lying on my silk-sheeted bed, and I, I pat gently with a, with a gnarled, wrinkled hand uh, on the pillow that you gently rest your head upon as I shout at you about The Bachelor Cowboy by Jessica Clare. Uh, a rugged bachelor is up for charity auction uh, in this special Valentine's Day romance from the New York Times best-selling author Jessica Clare. 
Jack Watson doesn't want anything to do with the dating scene in Painted Barrel, Wyoming, uh, but when his sister-in-law guilts him into joining a bachelor auction, uh, Jack can't say no to a charity event. Uh, He's not totally heartless, and if all the winner wants is an extra ranch hand uh, for a few days, he could do that. Of course, Jack changes his mind as soon as he meets the winner, Shy Layla. As the local accountant, Layla isn't used to being noticed by men. She's sure not the type to bid on a bachelor, but when she tells her mom she's bidding on someone she has a crush on, burp, and her mom shows up to check, she has no choice but to offer for the gruff cowboy. It's for a good cause, after all. (laughs) Neither one of them thought the auction would be a success, but Layla finds it hard to keep her hands off the cowboy, and Jack falls for her, her sweet smile, and her wild sense of humor. True love should run smoothly, right? Question mark, except Layla's got a secret. And Jack's right in the line of fire. Does she risk everything for her valentine cowboy, or does she betray those closest to her? Well... That's coming out January 26th, uh, The Bachelor Cowboy by Jessica Clare. Uh, the cover uh, shows a, a handsome, rugged cowboy with big old boots and a boot-cut jeans uh, leaning against a, a stable door where a buxom hmm, nah, young woman also wearing cowboy boots and a dress. Uh, they're about to kiss. And uh, to the left, uh, for no reason, a dog's running at him. So with that... Uh, Why don't we get out of my bedroom and go back to the library. We'll continue reading to you about Santa Claus. Part 11... How the first stockings were hung by the chimneys. When you remember that no child, until Santa Claus began his travels, had ever known the pleasure of possessing a toy, uh, you will understand how, how that doesn't make any sense. A parent must have made a kid a toy at some point. If Santa's making the toys, then somebody's had to have made them. You will understand how joy crept into the homes of those who had been favored with a visit from the good man. And how they talked of him day by day in loving tones, and were honestly grateful for his kindly deeds. It is true uh, that great warriors and mighty kings and clever scholars of that day were often spoken of by uh, the people, but no one of them was so greatly beloved as Santa Claus, because none other uh, was so unselfish as to devote himself to making others happy for a generous deed lives longer than, the, than a great battle or a king's decree of scholar's essay because it spreads and leaves its mark on all nature and endures through many generations. The bargain made uh, with the Nook Prince changed the plans of Claus for all future time. For being able to use the reindeer on but one night of each year, he decided to devote all the other days uh, to the manufacture of playthings and on Christmas Eve to carry them to the children of the world. But a year's work would, he knew, result in a vast accumulation of toys. So he resolved to, uh, uh, to build a new sledge that would be larger and stronger and better fitted for swift travel Uh, than the old and clumsy one. His first act uh, was to visit the 
Gnome King, with whom he had made a bargain to exchange three drums, a trumpet, and two dolls for a pair of fine steel runners, curled beautifully at the ends, and for the Gnome King had children of his own, who, living in the hollows under the earth, in the mines, in the caverns, uh, needed uh, something uh, to amuse them. In three days, the steel runners were ready. And when Claus brought the playthings to the Gnome King, his majesty was so greatly pleased with them that he presented Claus with a string of sweet-toned sleigh bells, ah, in addition to the runners. Ah, these will please Glossy and Flossy, said Claus, as he jingled the bells and listened to their merry sound. But I should have two strings of bells, uh, one for each deer. Bring me another trumpet! Ah, uh, and a toy cat, replied the king, and you shall have a second string of bells like the first. That's a bargain, cried Claus, and then he went home again for the toys. The new sledge was carefully built, uh, the nooks bringing plenty of strong but thin boards to use in its construction. Claus made a high, rounding dashboard to keep off the snow uh, cast behind by the fleet of hoofs and the deer, and he made uh, high sides to the platform so that many toys could be carried. And finally, he mounted the sledge upon the st slender steel runners made by the Gnome King. It was certainly a handsome sledge, uh, and big and roomy. Claus painted it in bright colors, although no one was likely to see it during his midnight journeys. And when all was finished, he sent for Glossy and Flossy uh, to come and look at it. Uh, the deer admired the sledge, but gravely declared that it's, uh, uh, it's, it's too big and heavy for them to draw. Ugh! We might pull it over the snow, to be sure, said Glossy, but we could not pull it fast enough to enable us to visit the faraway cities and villages and return to the forest by daybreak. And, uh, and I must add two more deer to my team, declared Claus after a moment's thought. Burp, the Nook Prince allowed you as many as ten. Uh, why not use them all, asked Flossy. Uh, then we could speed up like the lightning, and leap to the highest roofs with ease. A team of ten reindeer, cried Claus, delightedly. Oh, that'll be splendid. Uh, please turn to the forest at once, and select uh, eight other reindeer, as you like yourselves as possible. And you must uh, all eat of the casa plant uh, to become strong. What is the casa? This is like cocaine. And of the grawl plant to become a fleet of foot. And of the uh, 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 Marvin plant, so they may live as long to accompany me on my journeys. Likewise, it will be well for you to bathe in the pool of nares. Yep, everyone's got to get naked, which the lovely Queen Zerly declares will render you uh, rarely beautiful and hairless. Should you perform these duties faithfully, there is no doubt that on the next Christmas Eve, my ten reindeer will be the most powerful oh, and beautiful steeds the world has ever seen! Exclamation point. Uh, so, uh, Glossy and Flossy went to the forest to choose the mates, and Claus began to consider the question of a harness for them all. And in the end, he called upon Peter Nook for assistance, for Peter's heart is as kind as his body is, uh, crooked. And he is remarkably shrewd as well. And Peter agreed to furnish strips of tough leather for the harness. Oh, good, my cat's trying to get in the closet. Stop it. You're getting on the show. The leather was cut from the skins of lions uh, that had reached such an advanced age that they, uh, well, they died naturally. Yeah. And on the one side was tawny hair, while the other side uh, was cured to the softness of velvet uh, by the deaf nooks. When Claus received these strips of leather, he sewed them neatly into a harness 
uh, for the 10 reindeer, and it proved strong and serviceable and uh, lasted him for many years. The harness and the sledge were prepared at uh, odd times, uh, for Claus devoted most of his days to the making of toys. Uh, these were now much better than the first ones Ben and for the immortals often came to his house to watch him work and to uh, offer suggestions. Well, that sounds annoying. It's like having a relative over. Hey, cut it out. Uh, it was Nasil's idea to make some of the dolls uh, say Papa and, uh, and, and Mama. It was the thought of the nooks to put a squeak inside the lambs so that when a child squeezed them, uh, they would say Ba-a-a-a-a. B-A-A-A-A-A-A, exclamation point. And the fairy queen advised Claus to put whistles in the birds so they could be made to, to sing on wheels on the horses so children could draw them around. Uh, many animals perished in the forest uh, from one cause or another, and their fur was brought to Claus that he might cover it with small images of beasts that he made for playthings. A Mary Ryle suggested that Claus made a donkey with a nodding head, uh, which he did, and afterward found that it amused the little ones immensely. I think I'm bothered by this thing of them using all the fur and skins from these dying animals. For us humans, sure, I guess that makes sense. Uh, we have taxidermy and other things. Uh, but for these Ryles and stuff, they care about the animals as if they're family. So it'd be like, my dad dies... And I'm like, oh, good, I can use some of his skin to make a lampshade. just seems weird. And so the new toys grew in beauty and attractiveness every day until they were the wonder of even the immortals. When another Christmas Eve drew uh, near, there was a monster load of beautiful gifts for the children ready to be loaded upon the big sledge claws, filled three sacks of the brim, and tucked every corner of the sledge box full of toys besides. Then at twilight... The ten reindeer appeared, and Flossie introduced them all to Claus. Oh, they were racer and pacer, reckless and speckless, fearless and peerless, and uh, ready and steady, who, with Glossy and Flossie, made up the ten who have traversed the world three hundred of years with their generous master. They were all exceedingly beautiful. Oh, oh, with slender limbs, spreading antlers, velvety dark eyes, and mm, smooth coats of fawn color spotted with white. Claus loved them at once and was loved them ever since, and for they are loyal friends and have rendered him uh, priceless service. Uh, the new harnesses fitted them nicely as soon as they were all fattened to their hairless skin, fastened to the sledge by twos, and with Glossy and Flossie in the lead. Uh, these I'm starting to realize none of these names carried over to the song everyone knows with like Dasher and Prancer. Uh, these wore the strings of the sleigh bells and were so delighted with the music that they made that they kept prancing up and down to make the bells ring. Claus now seated himself in the sledge, drew a warm robe over his knees and his fur cap over his ears and cracked his long whip as a signal to start. Oh, yeah, he's whipping them. Instantly, the ten leaped forward and, uh, and were away like the wind, while Jolly Claus laughed gleefully to see them run and shouted, shouted a song in his big, hearty voice, yeah, with a, with a ho, 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 and a ha, 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 and a ho, ho, ha, ha, he. Now away we go over the frozen snow, as uh, merry as we can be. Ah, there are many joys in our load of toys, as many a child would know. We'll scatter them wide on our wild night ride over the crisp and, and sparkling snow. Now it was on this same Christmas Eve that the little Margot and her brother Dick and their cousins Ned and Sarah 
were visiting at Margot's house, came in from making a snowman with their clothes damp, their mittens dripping, and their shoes and stockings wet through and through. Oh, they were not scolded, for Margot's mother knew the snow was melting, and they were sent early to bed that their clothes might be hung over chairs to dry. The shoes were placed on the red tiles of the hearth, uh, where the heat from the hot embers would strike them, and the stockings were carefully hung in a row by the chimneys uh, directly over the fireplace. And that was the reason that Santa Claus noticed them when he came down the chimney that night, and uh, all the household were fast asleep. Oh, he was in a tremendous hurry, and seeing the stockings all belong to the children, he quickly stuffed the toys into them and dashed up the chimney again. I said that really weird. <laughs> My voice did something weird, and it just sounded really gross. Appearing on the roof so suddenly that the reindeer were astonished at his agility. I wish they would all hang up their stockings, he thought as he drove to the next chimney. It would save me a lot of time, and I could then visit more children before daybreak. But Margot and Dick and Ned and Sarah jumped out of bed the next morning and ran downstairs to get their stockings from the fireplace. Uh, they were filled with delight to find the toys from Santa Claus inside them. Probably all melted from the fireplace, right? In, in face, I think they found more presents in their stockings than any other children of the city that had received, for Santa Claus was in a hurry and did not stop to count the toys. Of course, they told all their little friends about it, and of course, uh, every one of them decided to hang his own stockings by the fireplace next Christmas Eve. Even even Bessie Blythesome, uh, who made a visit that city, uh, to the city with her father, and the great Lord of Lerd, heard the story from the children and, and hung their own pretty stockings by the chimney when she returned home at Christmas time. I don't think that they realize that it's because it helps Santa with his timeline. I think they just got greedy. Oh, on his next trip, Santa Claus found so many stockings hung up in anticipation of his visit that he could fill them in a jiffy and be away again in half the time required to, to hunt the children up and uh, place the toys by their bedside. Uh, the custom grew year after year and had always been a great help to Santa. Uh, and with so many children to visit, he surely needs all the help we're able to give him. Part 12... And I'm going to call it a day after this, because it's, uh... This book will never end. It's about Santa, and it goes on for thousands of pages. My Kindle says I still have one hour left in this book. I'm not going to read for another hour about Santa. Part 12, The First Christmas Tree. Cause had always kept his promise to the nooks by returning to the Laughing Valley by daybreak, but only the swiftness of his reindeer has enabled him to do this, for he travels eh, all over the world. He, he loved his work, and he loved the brisk night ride on his sledge, uh, burp and the, gay, and the gay twinkle of the sleigh bells. And on that first trip with the ten reindeer, only glossy and flossy wore bells. But each year thereafter, for eight years, Claus carried presents to the children of the Gnome King, and that good-natured monarch gave him in return a string of bells at each visit, so that finally every one of the ten deer were supplied. And you may imagine, oh, what a merry tune the bells played as the sledge sped over the snow. The children's stockings... At what point does he take flight, or is that not in this book? The children's stockings were so long that it required a great many toys to fill them. Yeah, because they're all greedy. And soon Claus found that there were other things besides toys the children loved, so he sent some of the fairies, ah, who were always his good friends, into the tropics, from whence they returned with great bags full of oranges uh, uh, and bananas, uh, which they had plucked from the trees, 
and other fairies flew uh, to the wonderful valley of Funnyland. <laughs> it's P-H-U-N-N-Y-L-A-N-D. Uh, with delicious candies and bonbons grow thickly on the bushes and uh, return laden with many boxes of uh, mm, sweet meats uh, for the little ones. Uh, these things Santa Claus on the Christmas Eve placed in the long stockings together with the toys uh, and the children were glad to get them. You may be sure. There are also uh, warm countries where there is no snow in the winter but Claus and his reindeer visited them as well as the colder climes for there were little wheels inside the runners of his sledge, which permitted it to run as smoothly over bare ground as on the snow. And the children who lived in the warm countries learned to know the name of Santa Claus, as well as those who lived near the Laughing Valley. Once, as the reindeer were ready to start on their yearly trip, a fairy ah, came to Claus and told him of three little children who lived beneath a, a rude tent of skids on a broad plain where there were no trees whatsoever. Ah, these poor babies were miserable and unhappy, for their parents were ignorant people who neglected them, sadly. Claus resolved to visit these children before return home, and during his ride he picked up the bushy top of a pine tree, which the wind had broken off and placed in his sledge. It was nearly morning uh, when the deer stopped before the lonely tent of skins where the poor children lay asleep. Claus had once planted the bit of pine uh, tree in the sand and stuck many candles in the branches. Then he hung some of his prettiest toys on the tree, as well as several bags of candies. Uh, it did not take long to do this, for Santa Claus works quickly. And when all was ready, he lighted the candles and, thrusting his head at the opening of the tent, shouted, uh, Merry Christmas, little ones! Probably scared the hell out of them. Also, for those who might not know, there was a time uh, over a hundred years ago when uh, they really wanted to light up a tree. They already decorated it with uh, glass balls and, and popcorn on string and stuff that we'd never do now. Uh, but then they also stuck candles on there, little clamps, little like roach clips with a candle on it because they just thought it looked so great. Uh, they had to probably spend God knows how much time lighting each and every individual candle, especially whatever they got going on on the top, uh, which is an insane fire hazard. Uh, but that's what people did back then. Luckily, now we have uh, bulbs. Uh, I remember when I was a kid in the 70s, those bulbs would get real hot because they were just regular light bulbs. Now we got LED ones, so it's way safer. Point is, people have always been morons. Why would you try to have a controlled fire on a tree. You're just asking to burn your whole house down. What if uh, what if you, you light it and then you fall asleep or you get drunk and pass out and knock over the tree? It doesn't make any sense. Also, he's focusing on how, because of these uh, animal men, these beasts of the forest that can live forever, care for plants just like people. Uh, he waits for part of a tree to get knocked off, and that's what he gives them, because that, that, that way it makes it okay in his world. Kind of like how a lion dies, you use its skin, which I already defined as being creepy. Same thing with this. Now a tree uh, top falls off, and they're going to give that to the kids. Fine, whatever. It still falls into the same realm of, if your dad dies, do you take him and stick him in the ground and put candles on him? No, you don't do that. Everything about this is disturbing. Not to mention that in the future, people cut down trees uh, and then put them in their homes and put candles on them and eventually light bulbs. Uh, basically, 
Santa started a carnage that these immortals can't stop and just sit back every year in horror. And then he shouts at little kids. With that, he leaped into his sledge and was out of sight before the children, rubbing the sleep from their eyes, uh, could come out to see who, who had called them. You can imagine the wonder and the joy of these little ones who had never in their lives known the, a real pleasure before when they saw the tree sparkling with lights that shone brilliant in the, in the gray dawn and hung with toys enough to, to make them happy for years to come. They joined hands and danced around the tree, shouting and laughing and planning more carnage in the future until they were obliged to pause for breath and their parents also come out to look at wonder, and thereafter had more respect, ah, consideration for their children, since Santa Claus had honored them with such beautiful gifts. The idea of the Christmas tree eh, pleased Claus, and so the following year he carried many of them in his sledge and set them up. So what, he just waits for all of them to hopefully die within uh, a couple days before he goes out? No, none of this makes any sense. If you're going to set up rules, stick to them. They set them up in the homes of poor people who seldom saw trees. Who are these people? And placed candles and toys on the branches. And of course, he could not carry enough trees in one load of all who wanted them. But in some homes, the fathers were able to get trees because they cut them down, which begins the onslaught, and have them all ready for Santa Claus when he arrived. And these, the good claws, always decorated as prettily as possible and hung with toys enough for all the children who came to see the tree lighted. These eh, novel ideas and the generous manner in which they were carried out made the children long for that one night in the year when their friend Santa Claus should visit them. And as such anticipation as is very pleasant and comforting, the little ones glean much happiness by wondering what would happen when Santa Claus next arrived. Perhaps, perhaps you remember that stern Baron Braun who once drove Claus from his castle and forbade him to visit his children? Question mark. Well, many years afterwards, when the old Baron was dead and his son ruled his place, the, the new Baron Braun came to the house of Claus uh, with his train of knights and pages and henchmen. And, dismounting from his charger, bared his head humbly before the friend of children. Ah, my... My father didn't know what your goodness is worth, he said, and therefore I threatened to hang you from the castle walls. But I have children of my own, all who long for a visit from Santa Claus, and I have come to, to beg that you will favor them hereafter as you do other children. Yeah, Claus was pleased with his speech, for Castle Braun was the only place he had never visited. Oh yeah, I can't wait to get at those kids. And he gladly promised to bring presents to the Baron's children. Uh, the next Christmas Eve, the Baron went away contented, and Claus kept his promise faithfully. Thus did this man, though through very goodness, conquer the hearts of all, and it is no wonder that he was ever merry and gay, for there was no home in the wide world where he was not welcomed more royally than any king. Well, with that, let's uh, adjourn to the smoking room. Ha ha ha. Where we can talk about this turd. Ah, well, I see you've made it to the smoking room. Uh, I think I'm already tired of my own bit. 
I started this bit where we go from room to room. I thought it would be a, a great little uh, to titillate your senses, to uh, excite you in the world of imagination and, uh, and books. But it's just turning out to be uh, silly and dumb. But here we are in the smoking room. Let's go over the story. Uh, I don't know. We learned that uh, the deer, if they're a minute late, get in trouble, which causes an uproar. They've already fought a battle over this guy uh, and killed an entire race of people just to make sure he can keep giving toys to kids and kiss them while they're sleeping. And so now, uh, you know, the deer come back a minute late, and all oh, they're ready to shut down the whole thing. So then he's got to fight for that, and then everyone uh, stands up for him. And for what? Why do they love him so much? It's like reading Twilight. There's no reason why everyone will give up everything for Bella, but they just do, and it's never explained why. There's no real motivation. What's the motivation for why this human baby that was snatched up from the edge of the woods, by, by all rights should have been eaten by a lion, he comes... Trapes around the woods, uh, causes all these uh, you know, commotions, and then uh, goes off to be kind of a creepy pervert guy with other people's kids. And then, then the whole forest like, oh, we gotta support him. And then the big, uh, what they, what's he, the axe wielder? I don't know what they call him. And then he's like, oh no, I, I, anything he wants, I'm gonna give it to him. And then he wants to give toys to the kids because he's just a creepy guy. And they're like, oh yeah, no, we're gonna do this. And so now they entire destroy the race of people, the whole thing. And now he's. Uh, Got this. He's, all he does is spends an entire year getting ready for one night, and uh, then just plows toys on all these kids. And because of that, you get traditions like uh, the socks. Uh, somehow, word travels fast that these socks are. Uh, you put that out there, and you get more toys. So everyone gets greedy, and they all want to get their socks filled. And and then he gets the fairies in on it. Why would they help him when they got their own job to do? Doesn't know. Uh, they start filling those socks up with bananas and oranges. And um, and then the trees. Uh, suddenly now everyone's got to get a tree. Uh, apparently there's parts of the world where there's no trees. And, uh, and the kids see it. Instead of being frightened by whatever the heck that thing is sticking out of the ground here in this desert or whatever is where they're supposed to be, uh, you think they'd be screaming. Hey, what the hell is that? Why is that outside my hut or whatever? Uh, these are kids that don't have toys to engage their imagination because apparently human beings aren't able to create a toy for their children. Uh, they'll just go outside and be like, what is that thing standing over me? Uh, is, it, is it God? But no, they love it. Uh, it's got candles in it and uh, they got toys and whatever. As I've said before, the carnage, uh, the trees after that, uh, everyone's cutting down trees. Yeah, so that Santa loves it. So now you got the wood people that keep standing up for this guy. He's got them uh, people cutting down trees that these wood people are trying to grow and cultivate and treat like family. So far, I'm not seeing anything positive about this. And they can't even get the name deer or the the wow name deer reindeer names became name deer. Uh, correct. What's good about this story? I guess I appreciate the type of gymnastics this author goes through to not associate any of this with Jesus, even though it all happens on Christmas and Christmas Eve, the Jesus's presumed birthday. Uh, never once mentioning him. I guess I just kind of appreciate that. Like, ah, you created this entire universe that's devoid of the son of man. 
Maybe he is the son of man. What sucks? That we have spent uh, multiple episodes of this podcast learning all the rules and the ins and out of uh, these fairies and these gnolls or whatever and uh, how they treat all their animals and plants as if they're their own children. And, and then in this chapter, or these chapters, it's just been all just... Uh, well, that lion's dead. Uh, give me some of his skin. I need some reins. Uh, oh, one of your trees, the top fell off. I'm going to go give that to a kid to freak him out because he's never seen a tree before. It's, uh, it's inconsistent with the, uh, the, the creed of the forest folk. What do we learn? Well, if you love someone, review how they're impacting your life. Do you have a child? Uh, oh, sure. You just without any thought, mindlessly love them. Have you ever considered if they've impacted your life negatively? If so, break the spell. Get them out of there. Get them out of your life. Uh, if anything, this book's making me reflect on my own children. And uh, has my life gotten any better since they've been in the picture? I don't know. I'm going to have to sit down and really review this now. Well, with that, uh, I guess we're going to have to wrap up because this book's taking forever and I can't finish in one episode. So uh, thanks for listening, and I will uh, see you next week. Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. You can tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's there's that. Uh, I, I, are you cool? I like cool people. It's the reason why I got involved in this business to begin with, just to meet cool people, not losers. So if you're cool... Uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com. You can see a backlog of everything I've ever read, uh, along with episodes from Book Boys and uh, blah, blah, blah. You can also find me on Instagram, uh, which is uh, House Nuzzle. And conveniently enough, uh, Twitter, which is also at House Nuzzle. Annoyingly, YouTube made me pick a name instead of just a house nuzzle. So you got Glenn Nuzzles. So I guess you search for that if you want to watch a screen that doesn't do anything and just hear my voice. Uh, and since uh, since I think you might be cool, you can always just email me directly. Glenn.nuzzles at gmail.com But don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. There's got to be one left.